Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, media coach and editor of veganbusinessmedia.com, which is a blog that provides success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, veganism is hot right now. We are in, we are cool, we are trendy. And I, I can't believe it. I never thought that I would see the day when veganism was splashed across the headlines in a really positive way and, you know, put up on a pedestal and, instead of being ridiculed. So it's a very, very exciting time. And vegan business is a huge growth area. We're seeing it happening a lot, particularly in plant-based foods, but also in fashion and skincare. So I'm really excited to bring you this podcast. So each episode is going to feature an interview with a vegan business owner or entrepreneur from across the globe. And they're going to share their secrets of success, their challenges and how they overcame them, lessons learned, plus some practical tips as well as their story, because we all love a good story. Some of the interviews are ones that I did for my book, Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. I interviewed 65 owners of vegan-run businesses in the US, Canada, Australia and the UK. And the interviewees were incredibly generous in sharing their insights and their journey. Some of those quotes are featured in the book and I'm really delighted to bring you some of the audio interviews in this podcast. And of course, I will be doing some brand new interviews specifically for Vegan Business Talk. And as I mentioned, they're going to be with business owners and entrepreneurs from all around the world. Now, as well as the interviews, each episode, I'm also going to give you a roundup of latest vegan business news. So to kick off episode one, my guest is Sugant Agrawal, founder of Gunnus, a vegan handbag brand in New York. Gunnus is known for being stylish and colourful, and it was featured last year in Fortune magazine, which is a high-profile business magazine, in an article on cruelty-free leather alternatives. I met Sugant recently in New York at my book launch, and she's absolutely lovely. I really, really like her a lot, and I'm so happy to see the Gunnus brand grow. Growing. One of the things that Sagan talks about in this interview is the challenges that she faced in making her handbags affordable whilst also being high fashion and maintaining high ethical standards in the production. And I think that's something really that a lot of vegan product makers, creators and designers can relate to. And Sagan came up with a very pretty, uh, pretty enterprising solution. And you'll hear about that in this interview. So here's my first guest on Vegan Business Talk, Sugand Agrawal from Gunnus. What, what are your drivers for, for running a socially conscious business? Um, I think, Katrina, basically the reason why I started Gunnus is because, um, uh, you know, obviously I, I feel compassionate towards animals and I love fashion. And initially when I went out shopping, uh, you know, all I could find was either uh, Matt and Nat or uh, Stella McCartney. And there was nothing in between. Um, you know, the price points were really, you know, extremes. And um, style-wise, also, um, you know, there was nothing that really filled that gap in the market. And um, I just felt that, uh, you know, um, if I want something like that, I'm sure there are many people out there that want a bag, you know, that um, falls in that mid-category, but it's high fashion, high style, um, and, you know, does not compromise their values. Um 
so then i just uh, i started the company and um, got a good feedback and then uh, ever since then we've been we've been doing this fantastic so so lovely i love that and i love that you said that you know you wanted something like that and it wasn't there so you created it i mean that's very very entrepreneurial so thank you for that i don't know if this next question applies to you but um some you know business owners um have said to me that um uh a lot of the time, the, the price point of their products um, has to be higher simply because they're quote vegan or sustainable or, or organic, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and it was difficult to, or they were constantly having the challenge of staying competitive and attracting clients. I'm not sure whether that does apply to you, since you're already kind of playing in that kind of higher end field. Is is it a, any kind mm-hmm. of issue for you to stay competitive and attract clients? Um, that's definitely been a challenge. When I first started out, uh, Katrina, the, the challenge was actually finding out the right fabrics and the materials that were good alternatives to leather. Um, and this was, you know, I really began researching uh, my company and the whole idea behind it like five or six years ago. And back then, the materials were not that great. But now you get a whole uh, variety of uh, fabrics and uh, materials. So that's been really great. Um, eventually what happened was that um, production became an issue. Um, you know, to keep your prices down, you really need to have um, small-scale production because our market is so niche. Um, there's no way I could use a, a Chinese factory or a, a large-scale uh, factory to, you know, produce a 1,000 pieces and then have an inventory that I won't be able to sell. So my real big challenge in keeping the price point down was getting production which was ethical, and at the same time, they they would do uh, short runs. Um, so um, pricing has definitely been a concern of mine as well, because when we initially started out, our prices were even higher, because I was manufacturing everything in New York City. Um, so, uh, you know, and then people did not want to pay that price. Um, I'm not sure if it's because of the economy or because it's of the mindset. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of people that are already vegan, they're easy to convince. But the new market, you know, they always question that if it's not leather, why is it so expensive? Right. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's like a very hard uh, <laughs> mentality that I've had to deal with, uh, where, you know, people uh, keep questioning the price point. But then I think um, once they understand the importance of uh, ethical manufacturing and cruelty-free uh, fabrics and materials, um, they kind of buy into the idea. And, um, you know, so that's been a little bit easier for me, but it's still something that I'm trying to resolve. Right. Yes, I was curious because I noticed on your website you do very much uh, educate your clients and, and potential yes. customers yeah. about the the importance and, and, and why. So that that's great. Um, and you've answered, I guess, some of those uh, uh, other questions. What were some of your key challenges when you first started out? So as you mentioned, it was materials and um, uh, and the manufacturing. So that's that's great. So you're obviously. When did you get to a point then, a kind of tipping point when you were able to bring the prices down from what you had at the beginning? Was it just because you started to build your brand? And, and literally people started buying it more? Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, Katrina, I do have um, a design background um, and I have um, a sort of a business background also. So uh, when I started out initially, you know, you're still learning a little bit about how your customer is going to react. And so you just put out a raw product out there um, um, at its bare basics. Um, and, you know, that turned out to be a pricey one. So people obviously <laughs> wanted you to work um, work it down a bit to make it more affordable. 
Um, so I just worked from there, and uh, then actually what happened was, um, you know, I, I I went down to China. I looked at the factories over there, and really the conditions are awful. Um, I would never want to um, sell a product where you know the people are really disconnected from the behind the scenes of how the product's made. So I really like connecting the two um, the scenes together. So when I saw the the conditions in China, I just um, uh, you know I had to bring the prices down. So I worked one or two collections over there, and then I started searching for other alternatives where I could still keep the prices down and still have a factory that was ethical. Um, it was again very challenging. So that's I think when I reached my tipping point and I actually started my own studio in India. Um, and uh, you know I have family down there too. So with the help of my family, I, I set up a small studio and I started working with uh, local women and artisans, and we started producing our bags there. So um, yeah, so that really you know helped push me and the brand in the right direction with ethical manufacturing and vegan materials. That's wonderful. What a lovely story and how you've really gone out of your way to to make that happen. I think that's a really lovely story and I, I think you I think I'm pretty sure you do media and that's a great sort of you know hook for the media that you know you did go to that effort to, mm-hmm. to, to set that up. So that that's fantastic. Um what would you say um to get like you know like sometimes nowadays there are kind of people say, well there's extra demands on a business owner's time because as well as the sort of everyday workings of the business and the admin, mm-hmm. you know, the social media nowadays and everything. And sometimes that can feel quite overwhelming to, you know, to small business owners. Um mm-hmm. how do you cope with that and what advice would you give to others in regards to that kind of overwhelm, particularly when they're first starting out? Oh, that's um, such a great timing for that question, Katrina, because um, <laughs> I just had a baby. She's only four months old. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So when you're talking about, you know, over-demanding, I completely get that now. <laughs> it's overwhelming. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of times people actually start burning out because they're putting in 40, 60 hours a week, you know, just really working this out. Um, and they want to get successful really quickly. Um, I understand that this is like a, a niche market and uh, people really want to capture it before there are a lot of players that come into it. But I feel that it's such a new market. This um, We still have time and we still have uh, you know plenty of um, stores to sell our bags to, plenty of other brands that can even still come in and make a difference. I feel like more the merrier and the louder you'll be heard. Um, so um, I really feel that, uh, I mean, that's the way I work. Um, I take one day at a time, and I really think that uh, because I'm going at a steady and, a, you know, a much maybe a slower pace maybe as compared to other brands, um, I feel like um, that pace is helping me learn a lot more um, and, you know, rectify the, the faults that I might be making with my company or with my brand. and. Um, really understand my uh, target audience. Um, so I feel like, you know, the the more balanced your pace is, the better it is for this market. Um, and that's really going to help you last longer in, um, you know, in time as a brand. That's, that's and, a really good 
Yeah, and I feel like um, that since this market is evolving and a lot more people are coming into it and realizing and becoming aware, especially the younger generation, um, I feel that, um, you know, I want to be seen as a veteran in this field. Uh, I want to be seen as one of the people that really thought about this when, you know, nobody was looking at it. And um, I stayed at a steady pace and I really evolved and I kept the brand going. And I introduced, um, you know, when I first started out, I actually had a lot of men's bags. And then I introduced a lot of women's bags. And now I feel like I can introduce even a younger um, audience, uh, you know, bags for a, a younger audience. So it's really um, studying the market, going with the flow, taking it easy, and, you know, obviously enjoying family life. I think that's the most important uh, for me. Um, I believe in my values. I believe in my, um, you know, my thoughts and everything. But I think if I don't have my family with me, nothing would be more important. Um, so definitely, I think uh, balancing things out is um yeah, it's a really lovely philosophy. I, I really like that. And you mentioned um, that you have a background in both design and in business. So uh, I'm, I'm curious, it sounds to me like you, you're not just spending time working in your business, you know, and getting the bags out, you actually spend a fair amount of your time working on it. So sort of strategizing and being, you know, brainstorming, coming up with new ideas as you learn more. Is that what, what sort of percentage of the time do you reckon you, you spend more on your business than in it? Um, well, um, Katrina, I have an industrial design background. I'm an industrial designer. So I um, I really think very um, logically and analytically. <laughs> um, <laughs> I enjoy design and uh, I enjoy the process of it. Um, so, you know, it's, um, I mean, uh, I don't know. I feel like I kind of even... Um, have that look in my bags that you know they're very structural or uh, they're very functional um, at a certain uh, point so um, I mean I don't know if I'm like really answering your question <laughs> here um, it's just to guess about some of what percentage of the time do you kind of stand back and do that big picture stuff rather than you know you know how some business owners they get very much caught up in the day to day of the business you know fulfilling right, orders right, and doing the right. admin um, and they don't always step back and go okay what's going on with my business how can I do a joint venture how can I strategize to to grow the business so I'm just curious how much of the time you spend working on your business versus right in it does that make sense. Um, sure, sure. So um, I think, uh, you know, like I think when you're a business owner and when you're an entrepreneur, you kind of uh, have to change a lot of hats. And I land up doing everything from the designing to coordinating the manufacturing, sourcing, uh, marketing and sales and social media. There's just so much that's there. Um, so initially what I tried to do was do four to five collections every year. And then I think that... Um, uh, you know, kind of made me rethink my whole strategy and I just stopped and I, you know, looked back at everything I'd done and then I decided, you know, I'm just going to do maybe two or maximum three collections a year. And then the rest of the time, I'm just going to spend on um, really strategizing, improving my production, improving my processes um, uh, and, you know, the, all the systems that are in place. 
So I think that helps me really balance things out. So now it's like very 50-50. I do uh, my collections half the time and then half the time I'm spending on getting my, um, you know, the the warehousing streamlined or the production and uh, distribution, all that stuff um, taken care of. Fantastic, fantastic. And you mentioned obviously you've grown as a brand, um, and your website is amazing, by the way. It's very, very good. It looks, looks really good. Um, how do you stop and get people, it's that a fine balance thing. How do you get to, you know, get people to stop and take notice and go, oh, wow, yeah, these are really cool bags and take notice of your business, you know, in a world where our attention is, is demanded from, from all kinds of sources, um, without feeling like you're harassing people. So getting them to say, hey, you know, look at me, look at my brand, but at the same time, um, without kind of harassing them and doing that hard sell. I wonder if you had any any right. tips on how you do that. <laughs> I think the most important with um, the philosophy behind my brand is being authentic. And I think that a lot of marketing that is thrown at the customers today is very pretentious. Um, and they're trying to portray an image of someone that people want to be rather than who they are. And I feel that with Gunas, what I have done is really try to portray an image of the person as they are, what they really want to be and what they really want to stand for and what they want to um, show with uh, the power of their purchase through, you know, the products that they buy. So I think it's very important to stay real, stay authentic and uh, be honest with the customer. And I feel that people nowadays are looking for that honesty in the products that they're buying. So, um, you know, there's, there's no pretense. There's, it's, it's absolutely open. I, in fact, encourage people to ask me as much questions as, you know, they have about the brand or the processes, the materials. Um, you know, and I'm always honest about it. I'll never claim that, you know, my bag is perfect. Um, you know, it's, uh, unfortunate that right now we're not able to make that, um, you know, perfect vegan bag just because I feel that, um, the materials could be a lot better or, you know, the, the construction could be a lot better. The production could be a lot better, but it's all evolving. Um, and I feel that my customer in particular appreciates that honesty. Um, and they, um, and they like the marriage between that honesty and high fashion. And, you know, when you think about it, people don't really associate high fashion with, like, uh, a <laughs> very honest image. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> so, I like, you know, uh, changing that about it. And I think that's that's the sticky factor of my brand. Wonderful. And would that, so, uh, would that go in some ways to uh, helping you to stand out, even from other vegan or cruelty-free yeah. brands? Well, because as you said, there's more people coming into the marketplace uh, within that particular arena. And I'm just wondering how you stay competitive uh, even within that, um, you know, arena itself. Um, well, sometimes, you know, Katrina, I feel like there are um, a lot of clicks happening, um, even within the, the vegan um, industry, the fashion industry. And I feel that um, uh, I want people to feel that I'm approachable. My brand is approachable. My products are approachable. And I feel that um, people, that, you know, that are, are my target audience, they want that approachability, you know, whether it's with the product or with the designer itself. So um, I think that's what really helps me stand out as a brand. Um, a lot of the other brands, um, I think they could do so much better with, like, the whole design and the image and the way they project themselves or, um, you know, some of, some, some of them are doing a great job too. I'm not going to say that, you know, hey, I'm the best. 
<laughs> but um, I think that that's what really sets me apart. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you, in terms of competitors, or you know, in, in quotes, competitors, a lot of the marketing gurus say nowadays that businesses should actually even stop thinking about having competitors and instead embrace them as collaborators. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I've got, I've had mixed responses to date on that. Some people agree, some people kind of not so much. I'm curious, what what are your thoughts on that, and whether you've done any I kind of? I would, um, yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. In fact, I would love to do it more because, um, you know, like I said. Pre- Obviously, that ours is such a niche market right now, and there's so much potential. And um, I personally feel that you know the more brands that are there that are talking about vegan fashion, the more uh, audience you're going to pull into this market. So you know the louder our voice is going to be. So I don't feel you know threatened in any way by having more competitors or having. Um, more people getting into this market, I feel like it's in a way going to strengthen what I am doing because it's like a, a stronger effort going out there to, you know, to reach people. So um, I've actually, um, when I started my studio, um, I actually reached out to a lot of other brands to do their production for them. So it was like a, a third-party labeling because, you know, let's say there's like a apparel designer and he or she wants to start handbags. And they don't really have that knowledge, but, you know, they really have that desire. So I would reach out to them and, you know, do short-run productions for them under their labels. Um, but then that's, again, you know, promoting the whole vegan idea, getting their bags out. It really does not matter to me if my brand name's not on there, honestly, because I feel like I'm already doing that with my brand. But I really want to help other designers um, capture this market, too. Oh, fantastic. That's really great to know. I think, you know, yeah. um, that's marvellous. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, again, I don't know whether you have staff or I know you've got your um, your your factory, your studio um, in, in India and in and, and York. How do you go about finding, and this may or may not be a relevant question, how do you go about finding and keeping experienced, motivated staff? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a really <laughs> tough one. Um, well, I... Um, you know, in in New York itself, it's it's a little bit easier to find interns or to find people that, you know, are willing to work part time. But I've had more success in just hiring agencies um, and outsourcing a lot more work like uh, my marketing or the sales or the web designing and excuse me, and PR and, you know, things like that. I've just had more success outsourcing it rather than um, keeping um in in house staff, so you know, oh, okay. I definitely say that that's been a challenge. Okay, right. Okay, so and that's worked out. So, have you done that because you found it more difficult to hire staff, or you prefer to outsource it so you don't have all the kind of admin stuff that goes along with hiring a member of staff? Right, right, right. And I mean, it's it's a lot simpler too. And again, like you know, talking about balance of uh, family life and work life, I think that just works better for me because now that I have a baby, I can even just you know work from my home office. And um, just have everything outsourced and, uh, you know, it just kind of still works together because, um, since, you know, I, I love the, the digital world nowadays, um, you know, online <laughs> sales have just made everything so much easier. Yeah. Um, so that's really been fantastic. And I mean, you know, you could do a couple of trade shows in the year to reach your boutique uh, buyers and then you could do everything else offline through your online store. So, right. um, yeah, I think uh, for me, what's worked best is just hiring um, 
outsourcing the services. Outsourcing. Perfect. Okay. Just on to mindset. Um, now, a lot of business owners would say that running and owning a business, it's the fastest and most effective form of personal development because it forces you to grow as a person. Um, what qualities do you believe are essential to staying the course and running a successful vegan business or any business, but obviously in this case, a vegan business? I think just like any other field, it's always continue, continuously educating yourself. Um, and that's most important, um, staying on top of, you know, what's happening in the industry, what's new in the industry. Um, and just, uh, you know, the social media is great. Um, and, you know, just reading up on books and strengthening your facts. And um, so, like, when you're talking to people, you know exactly what you're saying. I think that's mm-hmm. important. Um yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. What about any qualities about yourself, I guess, maybe around sort of, I don't know, things like, a couple of other people mentioned things like resilience and passion and a strong belief in what you're doing, that kind of thing. Does that resonate with you at all? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I was definitely passionate about what I'm doing, which is why it, I have stayed in this for as long as I have, you know. <laughs> if um, I didn't really strongly feel, um, uh, you know, about creating cruelty-free fashion, I don't think I would um, stay in it for this uh, this longer period. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's something that I always wanted to do. I could never get myself to buy a leather bag and, you know, hopefully someday I'll have even uh, vegan shoes that I can make and belts. Um, so everything that I want, I'm making myself. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. And you mentioned some of the steps or the strategies you take um, to ensure that you've got a strong mental and emotional well-being in business. I noticed you very much talked about having that family time and, and really getting that balance. Um, is there anything else that you do, such as, I don't know, meditation or coaching or self-help courses or anything like that? Oh, to- yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I actually uh, follow Buddhism. Um, oh, so, you know, that really brings me a lot of peace. Um, I do meditate a lot too. And then um, a lot of times I think um, what really helps me is just getting away with my family, you know, into the mountains or, you know, being around nature and uh, just reconnecting myself with, uh, you know, uh, the Mother Earth. And uh, that really helps me. So meditation's great. I love doing that. Um, but I think just getting really out there into nature um, is what helps me the most. Yeah, me too. It's so healing, isn't it? Especially when you're it living is. in a city. It's such Absolutely. a different kind of like, oh, you can feel yourself going, ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, you know, when you're out in the in nature, you just feel like, oh my God, what was I doing? I need to, you know, I just be living here. Why am I in New York City? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you get back to New York, you're like, oh, New York. Yeah, home, so, home. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> nice to have a bit of both, I guess. I yeah. like a bit of both. Fantastic. So I'm hearing that you're thinking that that mine in terms of you know mindset and personal development, that kind of stuff is, is very important for business Absolutely. owners. Yes. Yeah, sure. Fantastic. And um, Sigan, so what would you say have been, in summary, the kind of the key lessons that you've learned um, through running your business to date? And that could be you know things about yourself personally or professionally. What are the key things if you could summarize those? Um, I, I definitely feel I've learned a lot about myself um, and, you know, just the importance of uh, certain people or family in my life and um, just how to balance things out. I think that's the biggest thing that I've, um, you know, learned, um, how to prioritize and how to, um, 
you know, just take things as they come and how to deal with, I mean, you know, since I'm, I'm an artist, I'm a designer at heart and I've never been a people person. And I've always like shied away from the camera or, you know, interviews and things like that. <laughs> and this has really pushed me, you know, it's pushed my limits. It's, it's helped me push my comfort zone. And I've been doing this now for, uh, you know, the last five, six years. And um, I feel so much better about it now. <laughs> when, you know, initially when I started out, I just wanted to hide behind my drawing board. And, you know, I, I would just be like, I just want to design bags. That's all I want to do. So. <laughs> Oh, but it's it's so much different now, and I feel like um, you know, um, if you're even if you're a designer, it's so important to even talk about what you're doing and you know explain it to people because not everybody is a designer, not everybody thinks artistically. Um, so that's been, I think, one of my biggest discoveries about myself. Wonderful. Well, I'm very glad you've done that and that you you are happy to do interviews because you're a very good interviewee. You're so <laughs> relaxed, you. and like you said, authentic and and generous. So I'm, I'm very glad about that. Um, so again, you mentioned that you have over the years you've you've used expert help to grow your business, such as marketing and PR and, and that kind of yeah. thing. So I'm presuming that's been a good outcome for you and successful, and you've sort of did that. For the beginning or close to the beginning um yes i uh i mean how would i say that yeah um since i i do have a design background katrina i i did all of my graphics and you know the web the website design everything i managed myself and i would um. just work with a developer um i did work with pr companies initially to really get the word out to publications and you know the, the media channels um, but I just felt like that was such a trial and error uh, because a lot of times PR companies those really market themselves to you, you know, like they're going to take your brand to the next level and they're going to do so much for it. But then um, you don't really um, get that much attention because they right. take on too many clients or, you know, they have like high monthly retainers. So I just felt that, um, you know, self-marketing is probably the best. And if you actually have your product right, if, you know, I think 50% of the startups fail because their product's not right. And if you really work on getting your product great and, um, you know, people start appreciating your product, everything is just going to spread by, you know, word of mouth. And mm. uh, now I think I've reached a point where I don't even work with a PR company anymore. And I just have people approach me themselves like you did. You know, you, you found me and um, you approached me for an interview. And I feel that that's worked for me a lot better. So I just focus on getting my product and my uh, quality right. I think that's the most right. important. Right, got it. Oh, that's great. It's good advice there. Um, in your opinion, um, for those who aspire to, to basically do what you do, not necessarily with handbags, but you know, to run their own business uh, and their own, you know, cruelty-free business, what, in your opinion, are the key things they need to take into account before making that jump from employment, you know, the nine-to-five kind of thing, to being self-employed? Because they are very, very different. What are the key things they should take into account? Um, I think the first thing is to really be very careful with your money. You know, that's your gold and you don't want to just give it away to anyone, uh, any PR company or anyone else that's uh, enticing you into using their services. I think be very um, judicious and very cautious on how you spend your money. Um, that would be the most important. And then the second is, you know, I would, if you, if I mean, if money is not an issue, then yeah, quit your job, start something on your own. 
But uh, if it is, then definitely, you know, stick to your job and give the extra time that you have to set up your company, work on it. Again, like I said, slow and steady is the best thing you can do. Don't try to rush through things ever um, because you will probably not make the right decisions or the right, you know, the right selections. So, um, you know, I think that's uh, most important. And um, really getting out there, there are like a lot of social events. I mean, uh, at least in New York City and the other big, bigger metros, you know, there are a lot of events that happen, all the vegan and veg fests that are taking place or a lot of talks are happening. There are a lot of local shelters, animal shelters that have uh, fundraiser events and things like that. You know, go there, um, check, check it out, see who your target market is, who you're trying to sell to. And really learn about your customer before you introduce products and, you know, put all your money into making bags or any accessories or clothing, whatever that may be. That's really good advice. Very, very good advice. Thank you. Um, Again, what did you do, if you don't mind me asking, what did you do before you started this? Did you have like a, a sort of like a corporate job and then you saved up some of your own money to put it in or to start the business? Yes, I did. Um, I actually worked at uh, KitchenAid, Whirlpool. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the kitchen appliances uh, that they make. Uh, but it's a, it's a big uh, American brand, Whirlpool. And uh, they. Um, I was one of the few um, product designers um, on site. And I also worked with Bosch and Siemens. I designed their kitchen appliances. Uh-huh. Um, I also worked with Victoria's Secret for a while. And I did their packaging. <laughs> So it's, it's it's very different. And then um, I kind of like really got tired of my regular corporate job because these were all in like smaller towns and I'm such a big city person. <laughs> um, and so I just decided to quit and actually move to New York for a master's degree in design management, which was all about sustainable design. And so while I was doing my thesis, I came up with this whole idea and I, um, you know, I, I, put all my savings into my school, uh, my, my master's program, and um, I had some more savings too. So um, during my thesis program, I came up with this whole idea that, you know, this is what I really want to do. So might as well spend this one year planning out my business. Um, so um, it, it all started out there. I had a lot of uh, help from my, you know, t- teachers and peers, of course, who were also in the whole sustainable industry in New York City. And um, after that, I got a lot of help from my family, too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, starting a business, of course, it, it's either grants or loans or, you know, you can get your friends and family to help you. So um, that's, that's how I started. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Just in terms of then marketing and branding, in regards to the use of the word vegan um, in your marketing materials um, so and on your website, etc., and the prominence of the word, there's two schools of thought. One is that, oh, you know, the word vegan scares people away. You might be scaring potential customers away. And the other one is, no, it's actually clever niche marketing. And I'm curious what your thoughts on this, because I know you use the words cruelty-free and ethical and sustainable. Um, what are your thoughts on, um, on the use of the word vegan and your choice of whether or not you use it in your marketing and why. Um, that's funny that you bring that up, actually, because I have had very like strange and um, weird reactions to the word, uh, you know, vegan in my marketing. Some people <laughs> just tell me, "What do you mean? The bag does not eat meat? Like really? <laughs> really? <laughs> what are you? Are you really asking me that?" Um, so you know, it's, it's been very strange. So I I honestly feel that um, um, I think it's in a way 
um, I mean, I could even call them vegetarian bags, but I feel that when you say that they're vegan, and they really are, I mean, even the adhesives that they use are all animal uh, free. So um, you're really trying to first reach that audience that strongly, strongly feels about it. I mean, if you see the vegan market here, those people really have strong opinions about, you know, not using animal byproducts or animal products. Um, and I feel that uh, I have the same kind of uh, strong feelings about it. So I have to, you know, use the, the word vegan. And um, I also think that a lot of science people, you know, think that when you say vegan, it's just a food. But it's not really food. It's also fashion. You know, there's also, it goes along with, you know, like I always like to use this phrase that it's not just what about, you You know, you put in your body, but it's also what you put on your body. So it's it's like a complete package. Um, so I I don't think that for me using the word the word vegan is just you know uh, clever marketing. I think it's um, it's really the foundation of my brand. If it wasn't for this thought that you know provoked the whole idea of uh, building Gunas, I don't think I would have even had the company. Got it. Right. Thank you. Um, you mentioned media earlier um, and that people now come to you and you had the PR firm working for you in the beginning. Do you kind of um, sort of actively yourself, uh, as you mentioned, with self-marketing, do you use media as part of your own PR strategy in terms of whether you send out your own press release or you contact any media sure. to get sure. coverage? Is that something that you do sure, yourself? Uh, I mean, from time to time, I'll... Um, uh, you know, the, the best and the easiest way is to just go to a magazine rack and pick up all the magazines where you would like to be featured or you think that your product uh, is a good fit. Um, and, you know, when you look at the second page, you have, like, all the publisher and the editor details right out there. And you can always just call the publication house, get the uh, email address of the person that's in charge of editing the, um, you know, the, the various sections on fashion or veganism. And you just write to them. And a lot of times, um, you know, they're really good about either getting back to you with a thank you note or a no thank you, you know, maybe some other time. So at least you know what the feedback is or, you know, till you find the right fit for yourself. Um, or uh, besides press releases, a lot of times, you know, I have extra pieces lying around. Maybe I'll just send them free samples so they can actually check out the quality in person. So, you know, that will entice them to maybe write about me. Um, that always works. Uh, besides that, um, you know, if I read an interesting article, then I'll just approach the the writer. Or if I see a blog that I really like, then I'll just email the blogger and say, hey, you know, if you don't already know about my brand, maybe you should check it out and see if it's a good fit for your um, articles. So that always works. Fantastic, fantastic. And that's have you found that really useful then getting in, exposed in the media to helping to build and grow your brand awareness so people so that people, more people know about it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, what other current marketing strategies do you use nowadays, Sagand, and, and which are most effective for you? Um, I think social media is big because now everybody wants to hear what other people's experience has been with a certain product or a certain brand. So I feel like social media is really huge. Twitter is great. Uh, Facebook's amazing. Um, Google ads on, are great. Just on Facebooks again, how are you finding that? Because you know that like, Facebook changed its algorithm for for pages um, some time ago, so only a small fraction of your fans and followers see your posts unless you pay to boost them. Oh, have you yeah. found that? Oh, yeah. 
you that's, you that's been very challenging i mean i'm i'm definitely very upset with facebook for doing that because a lot of time you have to pay <laughs> to promote your posts and it's just so unfair because you know you're you're already working so hard to um make something worthwhile for posting and then on top of it you have to pay 20 30 dollars per post right. to really get it exposed and um but, you know, I think it's still important because a lot of times, uh, let's say somebody who's new to the brand who doesn't really know, the first thing I feel that they'll do is get onto Facebook and see how many fans you have or what people are saying about you. Right. So, right. Um, you know, it's. I think Facebook is one thing that it's like a double-edged sword. You really <laughs> cannot get away from it and, you know, you have to stay on it. Got it. So Facebook and Twitter are your key social media platforms that you're most active on and that have been successful for you? Yes, and um, Instagram is also great. I feel like a lot of times people that buy their bags, um, you know, they love to post selfies and <laughs> um, <laughs> things like that on onto their Instagram. So that's been really nice too. Fantastic. And final two questions are just around systems. So I noticed on your website you said you send people can sign up for your mailing list. Um, when you t send an emails out to your your list, and um, what customer relationship management system do you do you use? So I don't know if it's Mailchimp, Infusionsoft, Constant Contact, any of those. Yeah, it's it's Mailchimp. That's what I okay. uh, mainly use for um, all the newsletters. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and what other technology tools or apps do you find most useful or essential in the course of running your business? Um, I think that now um, a lot of the shopping is being done on cell phones. So I feel that the next step for me uh, for the brand is to really be develop like a, a mobile app um, so people can shop directly on their cell phones. Um, I think, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that would be the most important thing for me to do next. Right. That sounds like you've definitely got your finger on the pulse and you know know what's going on. I think that's very inspiring. Um, so again, that's been absolutely wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I know the questions have been kind of fairly extensive. Is there anything else you'd like to say that, that you know, maybe we haven't covered that you just want to say? There's no obligation, but I always like to give people the opportunity to, um, to add anything else they might like to add. Um, I think... You know, I think uh, we pretty much covered everything, Katrina, but I think, you know, I would just like to end it with, uh, you know, one thought that I have always uh, when I think about, you know, why am I doing this or, you know, how can I take this more forward? I feel like um, I am doing it for, you know, the animals and, you know, really becoming their voice. But in a way, I feel like I'm doing it for myself. It's very self-healing. So, um, you know, you feel like you're doing something good, you're trying to make a difference and you can really look at yourself at night in the mirror and say, you know, yes, I, I have a purposeful life and um, something that I really love doing. Um, so I feel like, you know, any young designer that really wants to get into it um, should realize that, you know, they're in the right direction and um, it's really going to be a fulfilling thing. So that was Sugant Agrawal of Gunas. You can find out more about Gunas at gunasthebrand.com. And that link is in the show notes at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts. That's veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and then click on episode one. Now for a roundup of the latest vegan business news. 
The Food Channel has identified veganism as a top 10 trend for 2016. In collaboration with a market research firm, they found that the demand for vegan options in restaurants is increasing. A new plant-based steak created using cell technology from sources that include pea protein, soy pectin and wheat gluten has been developed by Dutch scientists in association with the Pea Foundation and the Vegetarian Butcher. And apparently this new food product is said to resemble closely the texture of actual steak. So we're seeing quite a few developments in this area and this is another one that sounds pretty exciting. America's first vegan butcher shop made the headlines recently. Mainstream media outlets, including the the UK's Telegraph and Mashable, were intrigued by the concept. And it's quite interesting, that juxtaposition of the word vegan and butcher. It's kind of, it's a little bit weird. Um, The herbivorous butcher opens this month in Minnesota in the US, and it will offer an array of plant-based meats and cheeses. And finally, I always love it when I hear about a vegan business expanding. Those kind of stories just make my heart sing. So I was really happy to hear that Cineholic, which is a vegan bakery that was featured on the ABC's hit TV show Shark Tank um, just over a year ago, are now about to open 25 locations across the US. That's pretty exciting stuff and a really great story to kick off the new year with. Now, to end this episode, I'm going to leave you with a quote. As we know, running our own businesses, it can be pretty intense. You know, you're often having to take on several different roles, especially in the beginning when you're starting out. So I thought this quote by Henry David Thoreau was quite pertinent. He says, success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Vegan Business Talk. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review. I'm Katrina Fox and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode. Bye for now. 